0: This is TV Podcast Industries. We're back with episode 7 of Penny Dreadful Possession. This is TV Podcast Industries. We're back with episode 7 of Penny Dreadful. Our discussion about the first season of the show is continuing with episode 7, Possession. I'm one of your hosts, Derek.
1: Hello there, fellow Darklings. I am one of your other hosts, John. Oh, that's pretty good. I like Darklings. Yes. Well, I thought it was kind of cutely affectionate uh, as the the creature that has possessed... Vanessa talks to her about my Darkling, Mm, my cute little Darkling. (laughs) Very affectionate for an evil Lucifer-esque
0: type creature. Mm -hmm. And this is a massive episode of the show. It's another big Vanessa episode for the show. Um, Let's get into our... Discussion about it, though, John. Uh, the episode was directed by James Hawes. He directs this episode and episode eight, the finale of season one of Penny Dreadful. And he's back for three episodes in season two of Penny Dreadful as well. Uh, he also directed two excellent episodes of Black Mirror. He did Smithereens uh, and Hated in the Nation, two really, really good episodes of that excellent show. Um, so... Definitely a a person who loves the darkness and humans. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Once again, written by John Logan as well. John, do you want to tell us the synopsis for this episode? Sure.
1: Although I'm a little scared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Vanessa returns from her outing with Dorian Gray, possessed by her evil spirit. The evil inside her clearly knows more about Sir Malcolm than most. She is seemingly normal the next day, but remembers nothing of what happened. Frankenstein examines her and she transforms before his eyes. He believes she is suffering from some sort of psychosexual break, but Sir Malcolm believes she is simply possessed by the devil. Hmm. They do their best to make her comfortable and she is sedated most of the time. Sir Malcolm may have ulterior motives, however, for so desperately wanting to keep Vanessa alive.
0: It does tell you something about the show, that Sir Malcolm believes she is simply possessed by the devil. (laughs) That's all. you know. uh, We didn't mention at the end of episode six, but that moment when she arrives home after having sex with Dorian and and getting possessed by the demon I love, she walks in through the door and Malcolm just goes, I have something to tell you, I haven't been completely honest with you, and then looks around at her disheveled, a visage as she walks through the door and then she just suddenly raises from the floor and starts spinning you know yes. it's that moment where you go oh okay this is not the way i expected this conversation to be. exactly it's
1: floating <laughs> vanessa um mm-hmm.
0: which is frightening yes definitely definitely john do you want to give us your big point for this episode i think you've taken uh the big point of the episode really
1: it is the big point of the episode and dare i say it it is the episode yeah. as well it is the possession of vanessa in all uh, its forms uh, throughout this episode mm-hmm. um I, I mean just to begin with this whole episode is so powerful disturbing and utterly uh, convincing mm-hmm. um for some reason, it's not something that registered after I watched this the first time. When I first watched Penny Dreadful, that of how good this episode is and mm. and the performance of Eva Green, but just on this rewatch, I mean, I do have to say it is as good, and dare I say, it, if not better, arguably than the Seance episode, yeah. uh, because. It is consistent throughout the entire episode, Mm. this degradation and haunting of Eva Green, who is, quite frankly, a force of acting in in this episode. She is phenomenal. Um, I don't think I've quite seen anything like this before ever, whether it's on film or TV. It is committed from beginning to end. Absolutely. And... um, I would suspect that those people, including, you know, Timothy Dalton uh, and the, these very well um, experienced actors, all of them, could but not only be caught up in all of this because the performances of everyone is, um, quite frankly, uh, amazing uh, so you know i have to say that because yeah. it, it's a tour de force quite frankly
0: I, as i said i don't think we're going to have two big points from this episode so i'll jump in and just say that my note about this was eva green is so unselfconscious in how she's acting you know you can imagine the kind of meeting with john logan and him going through this is all the things you've got to do in this episode and you know some other actors might kind of go oh no but that that's too much to push myself through for an episode but it feels like Eva Green is really putting herself through all of these moments. She is completely uncompromising in what she's saying in how she's acting. That moment where she's speaking in tongues, where she starts talking in American and then Northern Irish and then English and then in Arabic, she's saying, please kill me. You know, these those moments as she translates through all of those uh, different voices as she's speaking to everybody around her is fascinating like absolutely brilliant to watch and really terrifying as you said john a really scary episode um when you when you feel like she's genuinely possessed i suppose in in some moments um i think it's i think it's a really really good episode
1: absolutely i mean it it really is that moment where you do feel that she has recovered she's sort of lounging on the sofa in in the drawing room there's Mm -hmm. a cup of tea next to her um she seems relatively at peace and then malcolm is speaking to her and then the the possession takes on the form of mina mm-hmm. where um she talks about her fat mother distraught that her husband was not there and um, tell me more of all the women that you have had sex with on your exploration you know the whores in zanzibar you know all the people that Samalcom has gone through, so to speak, uh, on his way around Africa from the Maasai through to Burundi. Um, you know, this is um Mina calling out Samalcom uh as to who he is, you know, sure. and you get this great sequence then where the study becomes trashed uh, as books are flying off um the the shelves uh and you know it's just really uh really frightening
0: yeah absolutely and as we mentioned in the last episode you know this this moment that's happening to vanessa can't be explained away like it could be in the last episode where people would say oh this is just a manifestation of some uh, of some mental trauma that's going on whereas in this episode there's nothing that can explain it other than it being a supernatural experience i do love the description when asked by uh, malcolm is it mina are you possessing Vanessa? And she goes, hmm, somewhat. It's somewhat me, (laughs) but it's also going to be the demon that's, that's possessing, possessing Vanessa. We get the description as well that, um, Mina's saying that her father forced Peter to have sex with all of these women as well, as he was going through. Yes. And that was to alleviate Malcolm's, disdain for himself i suppose but also to make peter prove himself to be the man that malcolm wanted him to be Peter didn't want to do it but he would of course do it if that's what what he's asked to by his father but it's almost like well if i'm going to do this and cheat on my wife my son's going to do it as well so i can uh, i can Placate myself, placate my own mind, and believe that I've done something that's okay to do. Kind
1: yeah. Of thing. So, yeah. and it is this speaking in tongues to the rest of this company. Um, Ethan Chandler has a great line where he says, "You wake up and you get feisty every now and then in one <laughs> of the lulls of of this possession," mm-hmm. uh, which is is really interesting. But she makes her way through, you know, through Victor uh, as well as through Ethan, mm-hmm. um, all the way through she is exposing some of their inner secrets to the the rest of of the group you know she pulls out that victor is, is is a virgin he likes cleanliness and she calls back um this this quote you know let not life divide what death can join together as we discussed in the last episode um and that's where victor's kind of what is going on here has to, has to leave, you know, it, it's a callback to the, the, the less intense possession, I suppose, to some extent that we saw in episode five, which was just towards the end of that episode. Mm-hmm. So this is a repeat of, of everything that's gone in this sense, um, that all the way through, um, the, there's the talk of having uh, an exorcism that it, it's it's beyond the, the the medical um knowledge and requirements that victor can bring to um vanessa's health absolutely that it requires a spiritual intervention through a priest and, and through an exorcism mm-hmm. which um it, it is the moment where some is reticent to do that um and, and there there is this whole thing throughout that ethan is suspicious of malcolm's motives exactly. uh, and and you get towards the end victor and ethan talking um about w- why is it that um he wants her to to live yeah. um and ethan sh- is kind of he's not sure that he does um that and and you see the duplicitousness of malcolm when in the moment of her weakness he sees her effectively as a telephone to be That's able okay. to connect into Mina to find out uh, where she is. Um, that he 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 really becomes very very unsympathetic here mm-hmm. uh, in
0: that moment. Well, you you um, were pleading with him, saying, "Don't make me do this. Don't make me go back in there and find her." You know, um, it, it's such an interesting episode for for that where. Again, you're supposed to be on the side of this father that's lost his daughter, but he's putting Vanessa through all of this abuse, effectively, at the hands of the demon, you know, to try and use her as a telephone. I like that. Uh, I like that description. <laughs> um, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? And I, and I think the... True indication that every time she's possessed is that she knows something that she couldn't possibly know except for the demon. You know, as you say, John, she quotes the exact phrase that Victor had said to Vincent uh, Van Helsing when they were alone. She quotes exactly the line that Victor said to Vincent in the last episode, where he said he was obsessed by this Shelley poem. Yes, um, so there's no way she could have known that at all. And you see the realization cross over Victor's mind when he hears her say that that. Uh-oh, this is not going the way I expected it to go at all. You know, I'm not able to just give her a couple of leeches or, uh, give her a couple of aspirin and tell her to call me in the morning, you know? Um, that, that's it. But yeah, these, these moments as Malcolm is trying to keep her alive when everybody is giving up on her almost. They're, they're not giving up. They're going to comply with her wishes and allow her to die. And Ethan's going to be the one to do it. But Malcolm is standing in the way because he wants her for different reasons.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there is, there's that moment where, um, in, in a brief period of respite during this time where he's trying to get Vanessa to connect with Mina and she's in this halfway house, this demi where she goes, you are a cruel man. And again, it's just, um, yeah Malcolm. It comes across really badly here, yeah but again there's a really nice um explanation of this half world this um between i suppose heaven and hell, this demimond that it is brought out in the conversation between ethan and, and Victor were they They talk about the the pacifying of the Native American tribes, mm-hmm. and that the first thing they do is take the children uh, and they remove their culture they you know they cut their hair, they take the spiritual prayer bags and um, they remove them from the tribe um and then they're they're given a good Christian name and, and are are taken to a family away from the tribe mm-hmm. and What they find is that they know they they don't fit in that world, so come back to the tribe. But then they're not accepted either by uh the Native Americans, mm-hmm. and so they no longer fit in either world and that's how he describes the situation with Vanessa. Yeah. She is possessed in in this this world between two different worlds, and she doesn't belong in either mm-hmm. of them, either in the dead. Or in, in the living, she is possessed within this, this, this halfway house. Yeah. I think Um, even Ethan
0: calls it unwelcome is the, is the term that he used to describe it, not just unwanted, unwelcome. Back in the place that they would consider their home. You know, Victor and uh, Ethan have had that discussion that Malcolm and herself seem to have a close relationship, but actually, when you scratch the surface of the relationship, he's completely using her um, to get his daughter back and not actually welcoming her back into his home, um, which is, you know, something that we saw from the flashbacks effectively is that she's Came with the information from Mina to his home and he allowed her to come in and stay because he can now use her for what he wants uh, from her. So, um, absolutely. Such great moments between these characters as well, and that and that description of the Native American children being taken away from the tribe is is such a sad uh, story, I suppose uh, such a sad piece of history um, it's something that happened to the, to the natives in Australia as well, exactly the same thing the stolen children from the Aboriginals in australia uh, it's such a sad part of all of our histories really that is coming across in the show yeah. and it's, it's it's just interesting to make reference to it I suppose as well this is also something about ethan's history that we still don't know about what's happening what's happened with him in america and why he's on the run i suppose yeah in the uk we know that he's on the run but we don't know anything about his history but these little moments um connecting him back into the folklore of, of americana uh, which we will see as the series progresses it's just interesting touches that that's where he's uh that's where he's coming from that's his point of view on on the native tribes uh in, in america
1: yeah, it's, it's really good. But, and of course, when Ethan Chandler arrives again, this speaking in tongues, she talks about his, his evening with. Dorian Gray, the irresistible boy of mm-hmm. our dreams, you know, did you have sex with him or did he have sex with you? You know, we, we'll, we should tell Brona. Um, and again, bits of the dark creature come, uh, racing out, leave her, you imbeciles, leave her to me. Uh, you men, you men, you men. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just really great. And then the rug gets completely pulled from under your feet when you, you have this kind of fully intimate moment um when ethan chandler is looking in on on vanessa yeah. it's the moment where he says you wake up every so often and get feisty every now and then yeah you know he, he's the one that's caring for her seems the most worried about her physically and personally and um, certainly compared to malcolm um and then you realize that it is this dark creature again in the form of Ethan Chandler.
0: This Um, is the point that I was going to talk about, actually. I I have to say, we'll give all of the praise to Eva Green for her scenes in this, and we've said how great Timothy Dalton is in the series overall. You know, and and Harry Treadaway has been fantastic in his role, but these moments with Josh Hartnett... In this scene with Vanessa, where he's playing the two sides, where he's playing this really evil demon, um, telling her exactly what he wants. He wants her to sit by his side as the world burns, where there's no hearts left of humans because they've consumed them all. And then they're going after God. You know, these scenes are totally believable. That's yeah. him being possessed. You know, we've mentioned at the beginning of the series, we we're going to talk about Josh Hartnett's Ethan Chandler very often because he's the point of view character of the audience. Which is probably why it's such a shocking moment when he turns and his eyes go black and he is just a vision of the possessed Vanessa. You know, this is the type of thing that's going on in her mind the whole time. And when she is being quiet, she's also being abused by this demon at all times as well. You know, so uh, so for Josh Hartnett, I think this is one of his best moments in the series um, yeah so far
1: well that's it you you get his vision for vanessa here the Mm -hmm. you know i want you to be the mother of evil as you say join me at my side to topple god and to rule over everything yeah and that's when he says the darkling as well my darkling and which yeah Comes across as quite affectionate for an evil, um, sort of, or the king
0: of, of evilness. Well, I suppose. He is asking her to marry him, yes. effectively, <laughs> and spend all your time at his side. So he has to be a little bit affectionate towards her. Uh, Ethan also gets the cure, I suppose, for Vanessa in this episode. He's the one that saves her. It goes through the uh, the last rites from the priest. They'd asked, her for, asked him for an exorcism, and they're told he can't provide that. But we have Ethan using uh, Brona's St. Jude's Medal to save uh, the lost cause that is Vanessa and I think that's a really interesting yeah. one you know I, I'm, I'm a Catholic by birth you know I know a lot about Christianity from from growing up in the church and all that kind of stuff and I always love when movies use relics that I've seen day by day as a, as a Catholic growing up and they use them to these uh, supernatural effects you know things like Indiana Jones using uh, the chalice of God as, as a resurrection tool or as, as a tool to keep someone living forever you know yeah. those kind of stories I've always really liked them so seeing something like something as uh day day to day as the saint jude's medal which is something that people uh use when um they feel their life life isn't going very well they'll wear a saint jude's medal pray to saint jude and they'll look for his guidance uh, more so than god almost saying you know you're the patron saint of lost causes and i feel like i'm a lost cause can you protect me and help me through my day and here we have ethan using it to save vanessa from a possession from the devil you know effectively yeah. so he's putting it on her head and saying in spanish saint jude save her um so I, I really like that that's how they've used this religious symbol i suppose
1: yeah i it's um it is just intense mm-hmm. everything uh about this like just before the priest is called there's a moment where her possession is taking a very physical form where her veins are starting to go black Mm there seems like a tattoo is forming on her chest but she's scratching at her arms and digging into the walls and the screaming and you're just like going oh my goodness just it's really disturbing and then the priest comes Mm um and you just know she wasn't bound properly to that bed. Uh I I vaguely remembered that something happened to the priest, but I still was kinda there was a little
0: jump there as she yeah. bites into his cheek. Well she was bound. The the demon has given her the super strength to break the bonds that have tied her to the bed. That's that's the thing. And I think that's the scary moment, isn't it? Because you think she's been stuck there, she's been tied to yeah. the bed for days on end, not gotten up and walked around effectively and you have this moment where uh, it's revealed to the priest what's in that room and you see him and how terrified he is just giving the last rites and then she jumps up and bites the bites the cheek off him basically
1: yeah and it but i mean she goes absolutely bonkers and bananas and dare i say apeshit um here <laughs> to be honest That is the room that will have its windows replaced more than any other room in the Murray household. (laughs) Um, Fenton already broke one, but all the windows are smashed in. I think you see Victor being kind of flung down the corridor. Every Every one of them is gone except for... Ethan mm-hmm. um and you have that tense standoff before um Brona's St. Jude medal is is used by him on Vanessa yeah. where he has the gun to to her head and again it's kind of almost linking to this idea of you know do you care enough to to shoot them because she's almost pleading to at this stage for him to take her out of her misery yeah. she only believes that it is the bullet left not that there is this um saint jude's medal uh, and i thought that was just really kind of tense and, and and really nice i think even the build-up as well because the priest is called matthew and she has this moment where um she goes i knew a matthew once and again linking back to episode five with dr matthew banning at the insane asylum mm-hmm. and in this case the priest is about to use holy water on her uh, and she goes he, i.e. Dr. Matthew Banning, he tortured me once with water, uh, with the hydrotherapy Mm -hmm. and now you're about to do it with holy water. And then all of a sudden um, this moment where she goes the other Matthew the tax collector where mm. the biblical reference where going back into the ancient world of the Middle East and, and the, the, the nascent beginnings of Christianity yeah. uh, and Matthew, the tax collector mm-hmm. there. Um, and that's when the priest is like looking at her, going, what? And then she goes for his cheek. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that really spooks the priest is when she refers to another Matthew, the tax collector, I one of the apostles of Jesus, mm-hmm. and the biblical testament from uh, the Gospel of Matthew uh, about the tax collector and and his death in Hierapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's where you see, you know, just before she bites a chunk out of his cheek, uh, the priest going, "What?" Is going on here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's where you realize it is the, the ancient evil within her speaking, but it is just, um, it's so engaging. I mean, I'm, yeah. I was just completely transfixed mm-hmm. on the whole of this episode uh, in terms of the intensity of it. Yeah. Uh, even where, you know, Vanessa is kind of um, subdued or sedated and, and she is quiet and mm-hmm. um, there's an intensity around all the other uh, characters uh, as they're sort of waiting. And because it is agreed that they will be there until she is cured or dead effectively as malcolm says and this brings up these conversations around why is malcolm wanting to keep her alive and obviously he does what he does while she is in that vulnerable state so ethan catches him and ultimately that's what prompts get the priest you know stop messing around victor thinks it's a lost cause Hence the Saint Jude medal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she is dying effectively. Okay. So it, it is really, uh, all on a, on a massive knife edge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do like that thing about the, uh, the death of, of Saint Matthew. Um, it feels once again like she's tapping into something she shouldn't know about how Matthew died. The demon is saying through her that he crucified Matthew upside down so he could see the hell that he was going to after he died. I think that's what scares the priest as much as it does. Um, it's effectively saying that one of the people that you think, think is a saint ended off in hell because of my taunting and how I killed him, effectively. Yeah. So it's such a, a brutal scene for the priest who's just walked into this room and seen this woman tied up to a bed and these three men going, uh, give her the last rites or give her an exorcism. And he doesn't believe in an exorcism. That's the whole point. He doesn't believe in the idea that uh, that a demon can be possessing someone because the Roman Catholic Church has outlawed all of every type of exorcism Um it's one of the things i think we were talking about after we watched the episode john i i find it fascinating that that nancy reagan who played uh, the kid in the exorcist was held up as such a great actor for all the things she went through in that movie in the mid-70s yet in this episode and it's only one episode of eight Absolutely. episodes a season we see um Eva Green doing such a big job uh, absolutely. of being possessed. And it's one of the best performances I've seen by yeah. an actress. And um, there's loads of other touch points in in this episode. We probably could talk about this one more than more than moats, But I love Victor talking about the fact that he believes in everything except God. Uh, Ethan Chandler saying he doesn't believe in God. And then you have uh, the conversation between Ethan and Simbene where he's asking, asking Simbene, why is he there? Does he just follow Malcolm Round because uh, Malcolm saved his life? And then Simbena goes, well, maybe I saved his life and I'm following to make sure he doesn't die. And then he's asked, does he believe in God? And Simbena says, I believe in everything. So he, he seems like this wise character who's seen so much happen in the world and seen what's happened to Malcolm and seen what he's been around. And either he's, still adventuring with malcolm he's still kind of going well if i hang out hang around this guy i'm going to see even more crazy stuff that i i'll be able to handle uh or there's something else going on that we'll learn in future but i do like that conversation between them where in contrast to both ethan and victor saying i don't believe in god absolutely we have some benet upstairs going i believe in everything because nothing i've seen has discounted Everything, every possibility.
1: Absolutely. I think as well, what really contrasts nicely as well with what you've just said at the start of that conversation between Ethan and Samembe is Ethan asks, what's your story? And he just goes, I have Mm none. And then obviously it's teased out. Um, I, I think as well, the interesting thing about the priest is that, He almost comes across as bureaucratic. Oh, totally. Um, No, we can't do this because it's been outlawed. So I can administer last rites and the annunciation and and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's interesting contrast to a priest in the final part of episode eight as well, that Vanessa willingly goes in to talk to at the cathedral. Um, But... You know, we'll discuss about that, but there's an interesting contrast there, which I think um, connects these two priests here. But certainly in this instance, completely
0: bureaucratic, Mm -hmm. Um, and that would be probably the feeling that I would get about the uh, the Catholic Church, definitely throughout the 1800s and 1900s. They were uh, they were very powerful and were much more of a political organization than than a religious organization. Almost that would have been the feeling of a lot of people. It would have been. Aren't you here to help us and save us and get us closer to God? And they would go, no, no, those are against the rules of our church, effectively. Yeah. Um, it was much more of a punishment, uh, society, I suppose, but I do also love it. It's a little bit of a trope over the years, but we do have our moment of science versus religion in this episode. We have that moment of Victor just going, do your mumbo jumbo and get the F out of the house, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's just like, whatever. I'm here to help her body. Uh, you're here to help her, um, soul, I guess.
1: Yeah, he says, get uh, out, you ridiculous man. Exactly. As the priest has said, he can't do an exorcism. Yep. And so Victor is, well, why are you here? Even here um, sometimes. I, I think on, on Ethan though, as well, I think he believes in the spiritual, mm-hmm. but not necessarily, um, how that forms yeah. in, in a sense yeah. so i think he is slightly different from victor who is a total uh atheist definitely and yeah. Um, yeah. i'm almost going to say an ethicist <laughs> uh, but of course he's, <laughs> he's probably person, both yeah. as well yeah <laughs> he
0: is um, we do see him anesthetizing himself in this yes episode. we see him taking a taking some morphine um and i'm wondering uh, that moment where he looks out the window and Caliban is standing outside waiting for him to finish this whole thing. Like I think Caliban knows that the work that Victor's doing for Malcolm is what's giving him the funds to do what he has to do for Caliban, which is why Caliban doesn't just break down the door, or snap all their necks, and yes. drag Victor out. But I, that that moment where he's outside uh, the window watching in as Victor's looking out, it almost is makes the whole. Uh, scenes in this episode it almost makes them claustrophobic for Victor because he's got a possessed woman upstairs who he probably wants to run out the door and down the street yeah. even though it's fascinating to him as a scientist but if he runs out the door and down the street Caliban's there waiting for him to do an even more monstrous act effectively so uh, so I like the I like the kind of claustrophobia that, that creates. I do wonder if it's also a morphine fever dream that he's it could seeing be. Caliban outside, but it's still quite likely that Caliban will be there.
1: Definitely. I, I think, um, it, it could be. Th- I mean, as well, you know, there's a great shot here from the director. It's in the hallway and it's just the passage of time because mm. this happens over uh, at least a week, uh, this possession. Um, but it, it's just the shot of the hallway in, uh, sir malcolm's house and, and the light moving across the hallway and you just get that changing light and shade as screams are coming from upstairs mm-hmm. and it it really gives a sense to the agony that she's in just from a a, a distant focus really yeah. of, of these men waiting uh downstairs to 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 tie her down to give her more sedation mm-hmm. I think just one of the final things I want to say about Vanessa here is despite the degradation, despite the attrition that this this possession has had on her and the the thing inside of her that is scratching to get out, as she describes it, is she's still this stoic, strong woman right until the moment where really she is offering up herself to be shot by uh, ethan you know she she asks him what do you want from me and when he tells her as uh, she goes but at this moment my soul is still my own yes Um. she goes i can't last forever but my soul is my own today mm-hmm. like it's so fiery and like so strong Absolutely. it was it's just amazing and he threatens um, to kill
0: everybody around her and she goes well that's not any concern of mine because I still have the choice for what I do with my soul. Yeah, it's, it's a massively um, important moment for her.
1: You know, it, it's, it's just really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: wow, what an episode. Yeah, excellent, excellent episode. Any notes on the episode, John, that we haven't spoken about?
1: I, th- I think the only thing is, are just these kind of... uh father and son type chats between Malcolm and Ethan and between Malcolm and Victor. Well, the bromance begins here. (laughs) It's kind of, you know, it's different angles. So Malcolm trying to get Ethan to come on this... Holy Grail quest for the source of the Nile, mm-hmm. and he's talking about um again his, his son. I mean, Ethan says, "I don't need another father" uh, when he asks him to come, but then Malcolm starts to talk about his son Peter dying and being buried on the the shores of Lake Tanganyika, and yet then goes, "But I still went on and surveyed the north shore, but I'm going back to bring Peter's body back."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's almost Ethan like, well. You say what you need to say to make you feel better. But then with, with Victor, um, he just says, doctor, I don't have a shred of decency left. Um, you know, we've heard all this horrific stuff what, that he put Peter through, mm-hmm. how he's treating Vanessa. And, and we get confirmation from, I think something I noticed in, uh, episode one or two, um, that, there is this Murray Range in in Africa named after him and not his son, and yeah. he confirms that. But like I wasn't it,
0: even thinking of my son when I named it. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it it is his decency is completely shredded. He is also a ridiculous man mm. in, in this sense. So, um yeah, but I, I like those kind of interactions. You yes. know, is it Malcolm trying to make up for Peter being lost, and he he sees himself mainly in Ethan, yet with Victor he's more honest with what
0: he wants to be um, or who he is. Mm. And maybe it is well played by Timothy Dalton because there aren't many moments where he actually expresses regret for what he's done. He kind of talks a little bit dispassionately about it in moments when other people talking about those things that happened to their child would be much more passionate about it. You know, he says his son was dying and he left him at base camp. And when he came back, his son was dead, but he doesn't seem to go. If I hadn't left him or if I'd worked harder or, um, or if I'd run out and got medical supplies for him, uh, maybe I could have saved him. He doesn't have those moments of regret that you would expect. He in fact says, his son died because something happened to the medical supplies that he can't even remember because he was there to climb the mountain. Uh, he was there to go on and Peter couldn't go with him because he was dying at base camp. So off he went on his own kind of thing. So he, he is very dispassionate about what happened to his son, Peter. As you say, John, even in that moment when he says to Ethan to come with him on the next expedition to uh, to Africa, and he says to him that he's going to go there to get his son back and Ethan says don't kid yourself that's not why you're there you're there to explore again I know that you know I know the type of man you are so so I think it's really interestingly played in in there and one of the things that stood out to me in the episode which I thought was kind of odd was the conversation between Victor and Malcolm where Victor's asking is she sexually active because he believes that it's a psychosexual experience and Malcolm says to him he doesn't know whether she is or not and it's none of his business whether she is or not but he presumes she is I just thought it was interesting why Malcolm would keep that piece of knowledge to himself because he's he absolutely knows that she's sexually active because that's what broke up the two families um her having sex with mina's fiance led to their two families being separated he has no particular love for vanessa or is he trying to hide that he has no love for vanessa by not breaking that confidence between the two of them is that is that the purpose of him not saying it or is it just I don't know. Did they just miss it in in the writing of the episode, which they they don't normally do? They're very specific about how they yeah. write these episodes. So I just didn't understand why Malcolm would say he didn't know whether she was a virgin or not. He knows for definite she's had sex at least once because it was with his daughter's fiance. So, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Whether she had sex afterwards or not, he may not know, but uh, I just thought that was an interesting uh, moment that was in there. Also very interesting because we're going to be talking about it in our episode eight discussion, but I love the threat from Ethan to Malcolm because it's a very specific threat when he says to him, If you use her and if you do what I think you're going to do, I'm going to rip your throat out is the the exact threat from Ethan. So an interesting one. And just to mention, I know you kind of talked about the relationships that were going on in the episode, but the little moment of bromance between Ethan and Victor, two characters who have kind of been at loggerheads between the two of them. You know, one thinking the other is very brutish and the other one going that he's very book smart, but not very street smart. And finally we get this moment where Victor needs to learn how to use a gun. So he goes to Ethan for help and Ethan delightedly shows him how to use the gun, you know, so there is that moment when the, when they're shooting the bottles downstairs and Victor finally gets a bottle and then he goes. Oh, why don't you show me? I know you want to shoot a gun. And there's a the little delighted moment between the two of them as Sabene comes downstairs and tells them that, uh, that they're annoying Malcolm upstairs. And they, uh, you get that little line from going, Oh, we've disturbed dad. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really, good, really good little moments. Just, it, it's good to bring these characters together and have little moments with them because it's felt at times throughout the series, not a bad, not a bad criticism or anything like that, but at times in the series, you're wondering why all of these people would be bound together and kind of need to have little moments between them to have their own relationships as well to kind of bind them a little more so i thought it was important to have those
1: i think definitely all these interactions are, are just so nicely layered in yeah. uh, and it, it, it's really um just fantastic so yeah i think episode two seance and episode seven possession are absolute tour de forces yep. uh, of eva green uh, but also the rest of the cast um yeah. it is just amazing what must have been
0: the energy to put into this possession that's it that's our discussion about episode seven of Penny dreadful we'll be back later this week with episode eight the finale of season one of Penny dreadful grand guignol i am connor from the
1: house of el and i am ray from the house of zod We are two of the many, many survivors of Krypton's destruction, and we have made our home in Australia, and dare I say have become Australians, for better or worse. But we have also decided to read Superman comics, read Superman books, watch Superman shows, cartoons, movies, basically everything Superman, and from an Australian perspective as well. Whether you're a seasoned fan, like me, or whether you are coming in fresh, wide-eyed, and wanting to learn more like me, and this podcast is for you. Join us for our bi weekly adventures available on all good podcast catches. So just search for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. We'll be coming to you from Australia or some cosmic dimension, wherever we are that up, 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 and away. away.